0: And that's another thing that Jinshin brings to you. If you're not very aware of your body, it will bring awareness to exactly what's going on. Jinshin is like a meditation in motion. You can do it anywhere and anytime. So anytime during the day, you can, for example, hold a finger um, and, and you can just bring your body back into harmony with three breaths.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Alexis Brink, who's the director of the Jinshin Institute in New York City, and has been a practitioner of the art of Jinshin since 1991. She's a licensed massage therapist and has taught self-help classes and workshops in New York City as well as different countries for many years. She's also taught Jinshin in hospitals to nurses and to teachers and to their students in the public school system. I personally find the art of Jinshin to be really fascinating because I don't think it's as well known as other Eastern healing practices like acupuncture or Reiki, for example. Alexis and I have actually known each other for quite some time. Her son and I went to elementary school together, and Alexis was kind enough to open me up into the world of Jinshin and offer me a session. So I had the opportunity to get to do a Jin Shin session with Alexis a few months back and I really loved it. It was great to get that hands-on experience and really prepared me to dive deeper into this interview with her. So in this episode, Alexis and I talk all about how she got interested in the art of Jinshin, what you can take away from the practice, how it works with your body, your mind, and your spirit, and certain techniques that you can do at home to bring more ease and peace into your mind and into your body. I'm so excited for you all to hear this episode, but before we get into it, make sure to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Hi, Alexis. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast.
0: Hi, Stella. It's so lovely to be here. I really, I feel like it's a privilege to introduce the Art of Jinshin to your audience.
1: What I'm so fascinated by with the Art of Jinshin is how it's, I feel like it's kind of this intersection between so many different Eastern medicine practices like Reiki and acupressure and I know you've been doing this for quite some time now, and I'd love to start with learning a bit more about how you got interested in Eastern medicine and and really becoming a pioneer in this space and, and leading the, the, the Art of Jinshin Institute in New York City.
0: Well, thank you for this question. I got interested because I came to New York uh, to be a dancer when I was 18 years old from Amsterdam, Holland. And uh, I was working very hard to, to be a dancer and I hurt my knee and it became a chronic knee problem. And uh, that's how I got introduced because I tried many different things, chiropractic, uh, in anti-inflammatory medicine, even acupuncture and other modalities and nothing really completely healed my knee injury. It kept coming back. And so one day I was introduced to the art of Jinshin and uh, the woman uh, who actually became my teacher, Philomena, she showed me some simple holds that I could do myself on my knee so that every time when I felt it come up, I was able to do something about it and I never had to stop dancing again. So that's how I first got interested. Uh, The second part to the question, because you asked about the Eastern modalities is that I also was looking for something that made me feel more connected and something that was bigger to my that bigger than me. And the art of Jinshin really gave me that because we work with universal energy. And so it really connected me to a source that that I was looking for.
1: That's really fascinating. And I also think that it makes sense that you developed a passion for this based on your own experience with personal injury and dancing is can be very hard on your joints and on your body um and it can feel really it can be really difficult to be told that you you know you're suffering with an injury or maybe you can't dance again and um it's i think it's really powerful that you found this practice and it was able to heal your knee and you were able to kind of understand that you could heal yourself through this practice how can people use the art of ginshin to heal themselves you know, using your hands? I know it's around you know energy healing and, and the practice of touch, but what are some things that you can do, or specifically in your case with your knee, what were some techniques you were using to heal your knee and to, to actually implement this
0: practice? Well, the practice has a technique to it also. So first you can look at the location of where the injury is, and then you can see which pathways move through it and practice that, that energy pathway that uh, moves through the injured area. Or what I did is I held the inside of my knee and the outside of my knee And just these two points between your two hands, the energy starts to move and the energy starts to move through it. So it's always great to hold the injury. Let's say you have an injury on your upper arm. You can hold your upper arm and then hold the opposite inside of the knee. And you get the energy to move away from the area. So that's very much how we work it. For example, if you have a headache, you want to bring the energy down. So you can hold the big toes. And if you have a a problem on your feet, you want to bring the energy up so that it's really simple. And the art of Jinshin is really very easy to practice on yourself. So that's a big part of the practice is self care. And you you, I've written a book, so all the holes and everything is in there. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm sure. Yes, well, you've written two books, which first of all, congratulations,
1: I believe these came out Relatively recently in the past few years, um, I mean, also with COVID, my perception of time has been completely warped. Um, but you've written The Art of Jinshin, The Japanese Practice of Healing with Your Fingertips, and then also Healing at Your Fingertips, which are the quick fixes of the art of Jinshin. So, um, you know, the Healing at Your Fingertips book is great because, you know, I'm looking through it right now and there's diagrams of people and it, it shows different practices you can do essentially for uh, different issues that you may be having. So insomnia or feelings of irritability or hormonal balance. So I I find it just so fascinating that there's different ways you can position your hands on your body to redirect the energy. How does this necessarily differ from acupressure, for, for example?
0: Well, actually, it is similar to acupressure, but the systems are different. It's a different energy healing modality. And the art of Jenshin was, uh, the father is a master, Jira and he did a lot of research on it. And so the pathways may be slightly different, but all of these modalities come from the ancient traditions. So acupressure also can be very effective. I personally love the art of Jenshin because there's, whole, there's this whole system of self-care that you can do, like the book you were just holding for, When you have a little symptom, you can place your hands, do one hold, and it will help to resolve it. So it's very accessible for self-help, and that's really why I like it. And that's also why I like to share it uh, with your community. I think with acupressure, it's it's more difficult. We don't really know what to do for self-care as much.
1: When we talk about self-care also, there's a lot of things we can do to take care of ourselves. There's the option to go exercise or get in some sort of physical activity we can go seek out other treatments like acupuncture or um cryotherapy like there's so many different wellness practices or wellness trends and not all of them are as accessible i think um you know of course if you want to just get in physical activity you can always just go outside for a walk or a run or do an at home workout but Sometimes people prefer a gym membership or a yoga studio membership. And if you go to acupuncture, that requires going to see an acupuncturist. Like these aren't necessarily things that are you can kind of do at home. Whereas it seems with shin techniques, it's it's very much just you doing it to yourself. And it's easy and it it's something that you can implement in your in your day-to-day. So how do you see this practice be incorporated into what we can more broadly think of as self-care like how how can we use this as a way to take care of ourselves
0: one of the interesting thing is that jinshin is really already a part of us anyway it's part of our innate wisdom and we are all born with this wisdom for example a baby they suck their thumbs sometimes they help to self-soothe their body they're helping their digestive system and they innately know where to go or you place your hand on your shoulder. These locations, they have a practical meaning and a spiritual meaning. And for example, if you place your hand on your shoulder, it helps to release stress, it helps to breath, it helps to exhale. So it's very easy to incorporate it into your life because it will already seem familiar to you too. Maybe you're already doing these holds. So Jinshin really just brings awareness to what we already know. So it feels very natural. And also, I just want to go back to what you say about going to the gym. And, you know, that's a part of us to our physical body. And in Jinshin, we talk about body, mind and spirit. And all are very important. Going to the gym is as important as taking care of your mind and understanding your psychology, as is important as having your spiritual journey, Uh, spirit, body, mind, and spirit. All three are part of us. So it is really accessible and easy. And the philosophy of Jinshin is also really important, which is also, I think, a difference. They don't teach it as much in... Acupuncture or acupressure. We really talk about the meaning of numbers and even astrology and lifestyle and body, mind, and spirit.
1: Going back to that point that you made on like the body and integrated with the mind and the spirit, earlier you mentioned that you came from a background of being a dancer. So you were very physically active. Do you feel like your experience dancing and coming to New York to dance? shaped the way that you started to engage with the art of jinshin
0: or shaped your understanding of these practices? Probably yes, because dancers are really attuned with their bodies. So there's also definitely some dancers who become practitioners. But when I first started my practice my whole practice was dancers because I worked on my dance teacher and she sent everybody to me, anybody that had anything, she said, oh, go see Alexis. And so, but but, uh, dancers are very um, aware of their body and exactly what's going on. And that's another thing that Jinshin brings to you, if you're not very aware of your body, it will bring awareness to exactly what's going on. So, if a location starts to hurt, it's like, oh, why is it hurting? And understanding, or why is it talking to me? And then we can treat treat it. Uh, again, that's another reason why it's so accessible, because we're really getting to know and understand what's going on with us. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and I think we're often so wrapped up in
0: things that
1: already happened in our lives or anticipating things that are going to happen in the future like our minds are not in our bodies we're elsewhere almost 24/7 and in doing so we're just not tapped into the present and our bodies are always in the present moment you know they're living through that and so i think it's easy to feel kind of pulled away from that body, mind, spirit, intuition, because we're not taking, you know, awareness of of our bodies. And I feel like it's not until we feel an area of pain or tension that it's like the wake-up call that something's wrong or there's something that needs to be addressed. What are things we can do to kind of prevent that from happening? Uh, Because I feel like, at least in my own experience, I don't notice something's wrong until it feels like things have gone really wrong. Like, If I get sick all of the sudden, like it's usually an accumulation of being run down and lack of sleep and building stress. So it's like once I reach that breaking point, then I recognize, oh, wait, there's a problem. (laughs) But how can we be a bit more attuned to our body and stay a bit more in the present and attuned to like our bodily cues to sense if something might be a little off or we may need to kind of like redirect our focus or attention elsewhere
0: that's a very good question and when you start to practice the art of jenshin you start to become aware of it because jenshin is like a meditation in motion you can do it anywhere and anytime so anytime during the day you can for example hold a finger um and and you can just bring your body back into harmony with three breaths and exhale so that it will never build up as what you were talking about um, that you're you're running too much and then you get depleted and then you get sick it works really preventatively as well and it's really a great practice to start listening to your body and then being able to resolve whatever comes up and it, it really can work magically I must say I have a, a, you know a lot of stories of course that it's like wow you know and even for me I've been practicing this for 30 years every time I put my hands on on someone and I see the transformation happening in front of me, it's like, wow, it's it's really incredible how the body can change quickly, right? In the here and now. And I don't know, was that your experience when you had a session also?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you bring that up because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about next. You know, I find that I'm very much a visual learner. So as interesting it is to discuss these concepts, I really wanna like fully immerse myself in it and See what it's like firsthand. So I had the wonderful opportunity to come to your practice and um, you know have a session, and I still have tons of questions that I would love to use this time to kind of address. But to give my listeners a little bit more of a clearer picture of what it's like to you know be in the room with Alexis and and do Jin you know Jin Shin healing. Um, essentially, I was lying on. A table, or you know, a bed. I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, one of those little beds, I
0: guess. It's a, yeah, it's a massage table and a very, very comfortable padding on top, so it feels very soft.
1: Yes, it was very comfortable. Also, the practice is beautiful, um, very meditative. <laughs> so you just feel instantly very calm when you walk into the space. But you know, I laid out on the bed, and I believe you took my pulse. Which is really interesting.
0: And listen to your pulses to feel where your need is energetically, and you can feel everything in the pulses, all the secrets of the universe.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I've I go to acupuncture, and not every time, but oftentimes the acupuncturist will feel my pulse, and she'll talk about issues with like my liver or my spleen, or and I'm just I'm so fascinated about how these practitioners can feel energetically when something's off just by reading your pulse. So you did that first me, like, what could you feel? Like, what are you feeling for when you're feeling a pulse? And what are those signals telling you? And how does that, you know, inform, uh, you know, how you're going to do, do the treatment that day?
0: Well, first I listen to which side is in need. Is it the right side or the left side? And the right side of our body has to do with our lifestyle. It has to do with the here and now, with the, diet, environment, uh, weather when it's very hot, it will show up on the right side or stress. And the left side has to do with older or genetic things going on. And um, so that's the first thing I look at or can feel in the pulses, right side or left side. And it's always about the balance. We get out of harmony because one side or one part of the body goes faster, speeds or slows and brings the other side out of harmony. And then I listen for the body, the mind, and the spirit or chest line, waistline and hip line. So I feel where the energy is not uh, free flowing in the chest line, waistline or hip line. And, and then I listen to all the organ functions. So there's a lot to listen to. And that's where it becomes a bit, um, a bit of a study. <laughs> for me, Jinshin really became a lifetime study. But what I like to present to, you know, particularly people your age and my children's age is um, how simple it can be and that with very simple holes you can harmonize your body. So, you know, I'm the practitioner and you take it home and hopefully take it into the world for yourself, you know?
1: Exactly. I mean, obviously my knowledge base is very minimal compared to how much expertise you have. And so I, I find it so interesting just how much knowledge you have around this. And um, when I was lying on the table, you were basically just touching different areas of my body, like sensing maybe where there was like an energy imbalance or feeling out different organ systems, like you mentioned. And all I feel is just touch, but you feel something completely different. So how would you describe what it feels like when you say, I'm feeling this area of energy? Like, is that A feeling of vibration—is it a like a pulsation? Like, what are you getting on the receiving end as a as a practitioner to know where you have to go next?
0: What I feel coming from your body is a pulsation, and that's the energy spiraling from skin surface to core to the deepest part of your body, and that's also one of the reasons why it's so effective. And that's just by holding it, so no pressure really, or no forcing, or or anything like that that pulsation tells us if we are in harmony with the universal rhythm so what i feel in the pulsation is is um but what, what i like to do is bring the body back into rhythm with universal energy and you know energy is matter really in a different density and einstein said that it's you know um, matter is energy in a different vibration and it is it's almost like a mirror and so our individual body our body gets out of rhythm but universal energy or consciousness never is so by practicing junction you bring it back into rhythm and that's where healing occurs that's when your body starts to heal and you just, when you get a session or when you work on yourself, you just feel very, very relaxed.
1: Yes. And I can attest to that. Coming out of the hour, I felt really relaxed. And I was, it was like I was in a meditative state, you know, and it was a similar feeling also to sometimes when I come out of acupuncture, although like the modalities are different or like the actual practice is different. The feeling that I came out with was very similar. And maybe on a scientific level, it's about kind of like recalibrating the nervous system, like calming our stress response. And maybe that's what's kind of helping to find some se- sense of equilibrium in our bodies with our energy. There's an amazing documentary. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but if not, um, it's called Heal. It's essentially kind of what we're talking about, like the power of you know, our minds being able to heal our bodies. And uh Joe Dispenza, you know, all these other nurse scientists and researchers are in this documentary. And uh, they talk a lot about also like quantum physics, which I think also touches on what we're discussing because it's around energy. And so it's really interesting to see how interdisciplinary Eastern medicine practices are with also Western thought
0: as well. It is because we use our hands to move energy. And basically, that's it. We don't use any other tools. We don't use medicine and that's it. And for Westerners, that can be a new concept, even energy. What is energy? Well, it's everywhere around us. I mean, we have our physical body and then we, when we go smaller, we have our muscles and the blood and the tendons and the skeletal. And then when we go smaller, we have cells and then molecules. And then what holds it together, you know, in the end it's energy. And so, yeah, that's what we're working with. So so for me, the concept of energy is really real. And for some people who are listening, maybe that's a whole new concept. So I always say be your own testimony and, you know, practice a hold and see what it does for you. And you can be amazed. Well, I also, you know, when I think of energy
1: healing, the first thing that comes to mind is Reiki. How would you describe Reiki to be different or similar to the art of Jinshen?
0: I think in a way it's similar when you get into energy healing modalities. I think they're all similar because you know, we all use the universal energy, right? To harmonize the body. But Jinshin, the work that Master Mariah did is very specific. So, and, and I'm just going to throw in another term, but we call problems or symptoms, we call them projects. Okay, so they're because they're fun to work with and they change easily. So from symptoms and problems, we go to projects. And Jeremy Rai, he created very specific flow patterns and very specific combinations of holds to help projects. And so when you come in and I listen to your pulse, I create a treatment plan in my head and I give you specific flow patterns that will be interesting for that specific project. And that is different in Reiki, it's more a general treatment. And this is very specific. So I think that is a big, a big difference.
1: I really like that terminology around saying projects instead of problems, because I think it as like a patient, for example, it feels more welcoming, like it feels like there's nothing. "Quote unquote," wrong with you? It's it's not that there's a problem that you're facing. There's maybe a challenge, but you can view it as a project, something to work through. So, typically with Jin Shin sessions, you know how I'm sure this probably varies case by case with you know individuals that you work with. But how many sessions would you recommend someone would need to really start to yield those benefits? And you know what are some signs of Success, for example, that someone should look for to uh, recognize that these practices are working for them, that they're really helpful in mitigating their symptoms or their um, some of the issues that they're facing.
0: I usually recommend three sessions to really, really make a difference, but it also depends what the project is and how long it's been there. Although it's very individual, sometimes I treat people. I had a lady from somewhere out of town and she had a neck project for 15 years and she came for one session because she was in town and I didn't see her again. A couple of years later, she came back and she said, oh, that was great. After the one session, it was completely gone. And so... (laughs) so that was a surprise to me too because she's had it for 15 years for other people it takes longer to uh, to peel the onion of 15 years for her it was one session so that can happen and again it depends what the project is like muscle projects like back pain neck pain can be um, very quickly because it's a muscle issue and those release very quickly if it's a deeper project like having had migraines uh, for many, many years or then it, it may take longer. And often people come and they just, they will continue to come because they they just make it a part of their life, really. The self-help, they come for sessions once in a while. Other people just come to relieve symptoms and they come for a couple of times and then they move on, you know. Um, I I like it when people make it a part of their lives. I think that is, that is really wonderful because... You know oh, when you live and you you build up stress and living your life uh we build up energy congestions and so it's always good to release it that's why people go into meditation or yoga or or something like that what you were talking about before you know just to unload and release stock energy uh, we just need to do that as human beings we don't all have the opportunity to live on a mountaintop and meditate all day. We have our lives, we have stress, we sometimes have a, we drink too much, whatever, you know, and we need to take care of our bodies and that's important.
1: Definitely. I mean, I really resonate with what you just said. Um, around this time last year, I was um, in Bali and I went to get my yoga teacher training certification and it was just the most serene experience. And I find myself now, since it's been about a year later, like reflecting on that time and missing the, you know, having the luxury of having a long summer without any responsibilities, any obligations, um, getting time just for myself to work on bettering my mental health, my physical health, um, my relationship to myself. Like it was just... such an amazing time and it's been difficult now because to your point you it's not like we can just sit on top of a mountain and and meditate all the time especially being in New York City growing up here and just being raised in in New York it's so fast-paced and I don't think I was fully aware of how the environment of growing up in New York shaped me uh, until I left for college and then also when I I left uh for a prolonged period of time last summer. Um, And so I think something I've been struggling with is figuring out how I can incorporate those good habits that I built last summer into a different environment being back here. It can feel really overwhelming to feel like, okay, I have to meditate again and I have to keep up my consistent yoga routine. And now I really want to try this practice. And it, it can feel super challenging to piece together all of those aspects of self-care that I felt like I could just effortlessly do because I had nothing else to think about last summer. So more broadly, what would your advice be as someone who is very, you know, invested in Eastern medicine practices? What would your advice be to young adults who are navigating just like the hectic aspects of life to kind of bring in those Wellness practices into their day to day, no matter where they are. You know, how can they do it in a way that's sustainable and in a way that feels like they have the time to actually do it and get excited to do it?
0: I think, first of all, to know that with every exhale and inhale, every cycle of energy, we completely renew. So that's very simple. Anybody can do that. And if you take three, conscious exhalations and we let go in the exhale we let go of everything we don't need so that we can inhale the abundance that is one very simple thing that you can do every day and then another simple thing is holding the fingers so you can hold your thumb and you're helping to harmonize worry so you just simply hold your thumb with your right hand. Let's say you're holding the left thumb gently and you wait for a pulsation to come up. In the beginning, you may not feel the pulsation. Like I said, that's the energy moving. And that's fine if you don't feel it. So if you are a worrier, just hold your thumb simply and take three breaths and just sit there for a moment. And That you can do any time. You can do it on the subway. You can do it while waiting in an office. You can do it in a Zoom meeting. Nobody will ever even notice. And then the index finger helps to harmonize fear. And that's a big one today also. A lot of people have anxiety, panic attacks. Index finger also helps with depression, helps muscles. So the index finger is also a wonderful one. So as we're practicing this and I'm inviting the listeners right now to join along in this practice, observe which finger feels comfortable for you, which one feels good to hold. And that's probably the one that you need today in this moment, tomorrow, maybe a different one. And then the middle finger helps to harmonize anger. It helps also deep fatigue in the body, helps the eyes. And that's probably one of my favorites. And if you notice, often people stick up their fingers, right, when they're angry. And <laughs> instead, you can now just hold your middle finger to help harmonize the anger. This also helps with headaches. And then the ring finger helps to harmonize sadness and grief, helps the lungs, allergies, projects like that. And then lastly, the the little finger helps to harmonize the trying to, or the efforting, and that's very much what you're talking about too. Like always running ahead of yourself, um, efforting, trying hard, pushing forward and helps the heart energy. So it opens up the heart as well, the little finger. And then the palm of the hand is all inclusive, helps everything. So if you place your hands together in prayer position and also if you shake hands with someone you're touching their palms and so you can actually get a lot of information so we really have the whole world in our hands and this is a very very easy way to access healing uh, on a daily basis and you can use the right hand or the left hand or both you can work all 10 fingers or hold one and that's a really great place to start Thank you for walking
1: me through that and also my listeners as well I hope you were doing that alongside the interview but also you can always come back to it um it's always here for you I noticed my thumb and my pinky like that those were the fingers where it felt the best and I felt a really strong vibration or pulsation with my pinky finger in particular. So would that mean, or is that signaling to me that there's a lot of
0: effort or efforting that's going on or stress? Well, can you answer that yourself? Is that true? Because usually the body doesn't lie. So can you, does that resonate with you? You set the thumb for worry and then the little finger for efforting or trying hard.
1: Yeah, it does resonate. I think today in particular was quite a stressful day with airport issues and travel problems. But um, it, it, that's that's a good point, actually, because it, it really goes to show how our bodies know. Like, there's that bodily intuition. And if you can kind of access that, you can bring your mind in synchronicity with your body, you can kind of conceptualize the awareness that our body just innately holds and and make meaning from it.
0: Yeah, it's all about the art of Jinshan is about getting to know and then being able to help yourself. And, you know, that's just a wonderful, simple thing. And you can use it in emergencies, too. It's wonderful. I mean, when people faint or when, you know, when people have headaches or I'm asked many times, my children, Mom, <laughs> what do you do for this? What do you do for that? And they're asking for their friends or themselves, a simple hold it's very accessible, which is nice.
1: Absolutely. And earlier we talked a little bit about um, Healing at Your Fingertips, which is the smaller book that you've written that has kind of like the step-by-step guide, different practices you can do for different uh, projects, whether it be anxiety or hormonal balance or whatnot. But then you've also written The Art of Jinshin, which is a bit bigger of a book and a bit more detailed, I would say, um, would you want to talk a little bit about the difference between the, the two books and what, in, in addition, is covered in in um, The Art of Jinshin, the larger book that you've published?
0: The larger book is uh, really, it's for beginners. So every concept is explained. What is energy? How do we use our hands? What do we hold? But it all has a lot of information in there also about The organ flows, and if you are familiar with meridians, there is similar, but there's the stomach flow and the spleen flow and kidney and liver. So those are all in there, as well as mini flows, so short little flows for eye projects and shoulder projects and working through the fingers, what we just discussed. The fingers are in there. The hand mudras, there's a lot in there. Hand mudras are in there. um, And then also all the symptoms that are in the small book, Healing uh, at Your Fingertips, that's a little pocket guide that you can just throw in your bag and take around. It's it's little, and, and it's a pretty little book. So I personally, of course, like The Art of Jinshan because um, it has a lot more information, uh, but you know, both are, are great. Uh, which one do you prefer? Which one do you tend to go to?
1: I, I really like the larger book, so The Art of Jin Shin as well, because it it does give a bit more of an explanation. And I like also how at the beginning, chapter one is titled The Jin Shin Effect, and you kind of talk about different case studies, maybe, um, different people's experiences using it. So for example, there's a a girl you mentioned in the first chapter who was on antidepressants for three years um, and was really suffering, you know, from depression and um, was on medication. But then Eventually, like through this practice, she she started to improve with her symptoms and kind of had this complete one eighty. And you know, you also mentioned other other people at the beginning. And um, also, I I really like this book because I believe some of the photos in here. um, (laughs) You have your kids in, and I went to elementary school with um, Tyler. So shout out, (laughs) Um, yeah,
0: Tyler is in there. Yeah, and it's so funny
1: to look through these because these photos. I believe were taken like a while ago <laughs> we've
0: all grown since then. Yes. Some of them were a while ago. He's there when he's little with Rex the dog and then he's there when he's older. But I, can I tell you one funny story about, um, Tyler? So he was in college. Uh, he finished now like you. And, um, he called me from college in a panic, mom, mom, my friend collapsed. What can I do? And I said, okay, Tyler, just sit by his head and hold his location number four, the back of his head, and just sit and stay with him. And then he said, um, oh, it's okay, the EMS is coming. And I said, no, just stay with him, place your hands there, and, um, you know, just just wait and then let the energy do its work. And a few moments later, I got a text, I did it. So the guy got up, he was totally fine, didn't want to go with the EMS, so in that way it's it's so simple and you can absolutely use it in emergencies as well
1: i feel like if i had parents that were in this field i would be calling them constantly like hey i have this problem like what should i do help me fix it um and i think also there's something kind of i don't want to say magical cuz there is a lot of science that like is rooted in these eastern practices but there's something that feels a bit like mystical about it because it's harder to see and conceptualize. And I think that's uh, what makes it feel even more special um, to to feel, to know that you do have the power to make these changes and you, these changes can actually be really monumental. Um, It's it's really empowering, uh, just from what you just described. We
0: all have the power to heal ourselves. And that is something that many people already know. And again, be your own testimony, place your hands and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, something I even experienced was just having, you know, an hour on the massage table and kind of doing this practice with you. Like, it felt like I was being taken care of. And I think, you know, different areas on my body where you were like applying the touch and feeling the sources of energy, um, it really helped to calm me. And I think uh, there's also a lot of research out there. I know this is different than Jin Shin, but when you hug people, you're releasing oxytocin, which is a chemical that produces feelings of happiness and safety and security. And so I think just physical touch in and it of itself, like you mentioned babies, they they learn how to self-soothe. It's in our it's in our nature, it's in our DNA. Um I think there's there's a lot to be said also from more of like a biological standpoint, uh, how these practices can affect you. And so when you're able to kind of calm your body, you're also calming your mind. And I think also a lot of um, like the stress that we feel is then manifested in our bodies. And then it becomes the cyclical thing because when you start to feel physically unwell, you can also feel mentally unwell. So it's, it's really, really interconnected.
0: Absolutely. You know a lot about it. It's absolutely true. Everything you're saying. <laughs>
1: well, I'm still learning and that's why it's, it's so great to, to have you on as an expert.
0: It's, <laughs> it's, it, it really all makes sense. Like what you're saying makes complete sense. And I'm sure that people identify with that. It resonates, you know.
1: I know you you have this beautiful practice on the Upper East Side in New York, um, you know, the Jinshin Institute. Earlier, we had talked about how you came to New York to pursue dancing and then you kind of fell into this. But... In a more abridged version, can you take us through like the trajectory of your career and becoming a, a practitioner of the art of jinshin, you know, what that process looked like and um, where you are today?
0: Well, I just took a workshop with this woman, Philomena Dooley, and I, was, I took the workshop and I didn't understand much of what she was saying because it's very complex and I'd never really heard of energy. But I said, I felt so good. I said, this is what I want to do the rest of my life and so uh i studied with her in her practice and very quickly i just started my own practice and in the beginning i would just call her for everything what do you do what do i do for this i get this person with this project and that pro-. and she would give me protocols and it worked like a charm and so then i've started to feel more secure in my practice i got my license as a massage therapist and um i just practiced and taught and shared and introduced it in the Netherlands and traveled and then in 2015 I took over from someone else the Jenshin Institute and the lady Pamela who founded it she was older and she wanted to hand it down to somebody who would continue it and so I really wanted to make it accessible for a younger generation. And, you know, so we are on Instagram and I do a lot of lives on Facebook, Instagram, on YouTube. I have a lot of videos and just really having fun with it and making it accessible to anybody.
1: You also have a great interview or chat with Deepak Chopra on your YouTube page. So I definitely will direct my listeners to go check that out. Deepak is-
0: Yeah, he's wonderful, yeah.
1: Very, yeah, so incredible and amazing to kind of see also his support and interest in this practice as well.
0: Definitely, he he loves to practice and he's totally into energy medicine. And in his books, he explains why it works very well. That's how I first was um, led to him, and that's thirty years ago. He's been my friend for thirty years. <laughs> that's a wonderful
1: friendship, and I think um, it's it's also really special when you can find someone who can really distill these concepts down into something that's understandable. Because I think, especially to, like, the Western world, uh, now it feels like there's more of this integration between Eastern and Western medicine and, like, viewing health from a more holistic lens, which is amazing. But I do think there's still a long ways to go to to really get there. Um, And so when I can find someone that I feel like I resonate with and I understand how they're explaining these concepts to me, it's just all the more pleasurable and exciting, because then I feel like empowered to really um, try out those practices. So hopefully my listeners are feeling the same way with our conversation today. One question that I have is, you know, have you always considered yourself a spiritual person or did that manifest more so when you just got interested in Jinshin?
0: Yeah, totally not. I, <laughs> I think somewhere we all know we're spiritual beings because we all have experiences where you just feel connected to to source, really, when everything goes well in one day, and we just feel connected, everything is happening, when we feel good. But coming from my Dutch background, no, I, I didn't know what energy healing was at all. I come from a very skeptical family. So no, it was all very, very new to me.
1: Well, I think it's great that you've kept an open mind. And it shows how you never know what can kind of come into your life and completely transform the events that follow. My next question to you is, are there any particular techniques that you do on a daily basis, whether it be in your morning routine or in the afternoon or before you go to bed, that help certain projects for you or just things that you do that you incorporate into your day-to-day that are, you know, jinshin techniques?
0: Yeah. Oh, jinshin. Yes. I also do meditate for 20 minutes a day. And I invite people to, when you have a meditation practice, to work through your fingers at the same time, and then you get double whammy. Uh, So I meditate. I do, yes, I do this one routine flow on myself every day, which is uh, in the Art of Healing book, the Art of uh, Jinshan book. It's the main center source, and it moves through all the chakras, and I probably showed it to you too, helping all the glands in the body and all the chakras. So it's, it's, completely helps total totally I do that one on myself every day and then yeah often I do a little flow here and there during the day. so I really do use Jin Shin a lot I also exercise a lot I think again all are important body mind and spirit are all important so physical exercise is important as well I do that and yeah just I think having fun and being as happy as can be is, is important because that sense positive endorphins into our system.
1: You almost read my mind. My last question is on endorphins, and it's something that I ask every guest that comes onto the podcast. What is something that brings you a bit of endorphins or joy in your day-to-day life?
0: Well, I love speaking with you. It makes me very happy, and it brings positive endorphins for sure. I love being with my children. They're adults, no young adults, not like yourself. And I just, you know, appreciate every moment. Uh, The art of Jinshin brings me endorphins, because when your energy harmonizes, you just feel happy and, and well. And laughing is really important. So laughing with my friends, and I have one friend that I grew up with. And when I see her or talk with her, we always laugh a lot. And that's very important, too.
1: Absolutely, laughing is very healing. Um, it's important that you're able to to laugh with your friends and your family, and um, it's a quality I really uh, I seek out for in in my friends and family and and people in my life. Talking to you today has also brought me a lot of endorphins. Um, And I'm just so, so happy that we had the opportunity to get to do this interview and to get to do a session in person. It was so wonderful. And I also feel inspired to kind of continue integrating more Jenshin techniques into my day-to-day life and kind of bring that more into my routine. Thank you again, Alexis. Everyone that's listening can follow her and the Art of Jenshin and the Jenshin Institute on Instagram. All will be linked to the bio of this interview and on my Instagram page. So stay tuned for that. Thank you again. It was such a pleasure having you.
0: Thank you so much, Stella. And thank you for all your listeners.
1: Thank you for listening and remember to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things that bring you endorphins every day. See you next time.